This is The Playbook. Okay, this is Friday training on Thursday here at the Grounded Men's Event in Santa Barbara. We are blessed to be here, and uh, this is one of my favorite trainings that I'm going to do. It's named the Bag of Beliefs, and I think it's really important to understand how our beliefs really control our lives. And a lot of times we don't look at the core of why we do things, why we say things, why we think things, and even why we feel those things. It's really based off of one thing, our beliefs. And so I love to pragmatically teach people how do I identify what my beliefs are and how can I change the way I look at things so that my beliefs change and therefore the things I think, say, do, and believe are aligned with the trajectory of where I want to be or better. And so I think in the context, let's talk about the three periods of time that are effectuated by our beliefs because a lot of people uh, fall into the fear of the past. That's the only time that they think about and they don't realize that all their beliefs are based off of fears of what has happened in the past. And what's happened in the past could be not only failures, mistakes, setbacks, void shortages, and obstacles, could be historical relevances. I had a lady one time, I was speaking at the Global Sports Summit in France, and she told me afterwards, like, oh, but what about the French-American War? And I'm thinking, so you're utilizing your beliefs of the French-American War to interfere with your own self-image, limit your own self-image, or limit the trajectory that you think you can attain or better in your life because of historical relevance. And we see that within cultures and religions, they take on these historical relevances, let alone as difficult it is, the traumas of our past, the mistakes, failures, setbacks, and even successes. And so when we can get people to realize we're nothing but a bag of beliefs, and in order to effectuate the acceleration that we want in our life, the aggregation, the compounding, the exponentiality of outcomes that make our lives so extraordinary to enjoy the consistent, everyday, persistent pursuit of our potential, which brings that true joy, we have to look at our beliefs. So let's talk about the beliefs of the past. Why is it so important to align the beliefs of our past with the trajectory of where we think we want to be or better? The reason that we want to do that is because what effectuates our future is today, is today. And the past is unlimited. So if you're going to uh, attach your beliefs to an infinite past, you're in, if it's not aligned with where you think you want to be in the infinite future, you're screwing yourself and you don't even realize it. And so what I like to do is pay attention to and prescribe how can we identify what our beliefs are And there's one indicator of belief that's basic to human nature. And it stems from, of course, Freud identified it in his terminology, but it stems far, far beyond when Freud Freud described the needs of the ego, meaning when you're afraid, you believe certain things. That's just true. Dinosaur runs by my cave. I believe the dinosaur could kill me. Therefore, I'm going to think, say, do, and feel a certain way when the dinosaur walks by. And so today it's much more complex than just fighting, fleeing, feeding, and fornicating, keeping our legacy alive, right? And so 
There's many forms of it. So what I want you to do is realize first, if we are a bag of beliefs and we need to start being aware of what our beliefs are according to our past to align the beliefs of our past to help us get to a future we want instead of hinder us, right? The basic premise of what I think is you will never overachieve your own self-image. People come to me all the time with money issues, right? I'm not worthy. I limit myself. I'm stuck. I always make the same amount that I lose. If I make any more, then I lose it. If I make less, I get right back up to It's like a thermostat. How can I do that? Well, let's take a step backwards and say, what are my fears, fear of the past, that I then prescribe this ego-based consciousness? And I don't need to define it into words like uh, feeding, fighting, fleeing, or fornicating like Freud did. I actually look and create a process of, okay, I am on a journey of a source of faith, an abundant, infinite system of thought that is a source of faith that is an omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful source of faith People get confused with that word source, right? What what do you mean source of faith, Dave? Well, what I take is a step back from all religions, philosophies, spiritualities, and theories are based on a source of faith. They define it as Jesus, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, Buddha, whatever they want to define it as. I take you out of that realm of definition. Think about it in this respect. I challenge everybody here to give me a better source of faith. It can be aligned with your religion, your philosophy, your theories, or your spirituality. The best option, because none of none of the sources of faith can be proven. Not, it take, that's why they call it source of faith, because it takes faith to believe that it's true. So why not take the best option? Here's my best option that I believe in. There is an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, an infinite, unified system of thought that protects, promotes, and loves me more than my mom. I don't care what religion you are, philosophy, spirituality, or theory. Give me a better option. That's what I'm going to start teaching to people. But I speak in front of hundreds of thousands of people in a week, and no one's come to me and saying, hey, I have a better source of faith for you than that. So if I believe instead of I have to go get more, or there's not enough of, or I'm going to be in a zero-sum game trading, negotiating, when I win, someone else loses, instead... In this world of source that I live in, there's more than enough of everything. So when I have fear, I'm indicating that I don't believe that. I'm indicating that I'm lying to myself, that I believe in abundance, that I believe in more than enough, that I'm this humongous person. And so at its core, we're bags of belief. We need to start identifying what we're afraid of in the past and utilize it as an indicator an indicator to raise our awareness to what fear-based consciousness am I prescribing to protect me from what I perceive in my beliefs. I'm going to lose all my money again. I'm going to get hurt in this relationship. I'm all, I always, right, all these things that we believe, right? It could be food. I was speaking to here at the, the men's retreat, you know, my friend Eben. I was like, dude, I am a master at so many things. I can't figure out my bag of beliefs of my fear of not having enough food because I grew up with not enough food. And I'm starting to practice identifying that fear first. And instead of saying, I'm going to take a time out when I eat, or I'm only going to eat, you know, vegetables, or I'm going to be V. No, 
Instead, now I want you to think about your fear of the past and say, when I'm afraid, I'm going to stop instead. I'm not going to resist. I'm not going to go over it, under it, through it, around it, deny it, cheat it, manipulate it like I normally do. I'm just wasting energy and creating more interference because in the world of abundance, there is no more. There's already more for everything. It's I am. And that's critical because instead of people getting more happy, more healthy, more wealthy, more worthy, I am happy, healthy, wealthy, worthy. What am I doing to interfere with it with my bag of beliefs? It changes the entire paradigm of your life because it gives you complete control of abundance and it reminds you of the source of faith that you believe in, that there's more than enough of everything you're protected, promoted, and loved more than your mom does by an omniscient, all-knowing source, not our moms that have the best intentions, but they don't necessarily know everything and are all powerful, even though they think so sometimes, right? So what I want you to think about is I'm a bag of beliefs. My beliefs indicate what I do say, think, and feel. When I'm afraid, I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to say to myself, when I stop, not resist, what is it that I'm prescribing to my fear? Addiction? A need to be right? A need to be offended? A need to be separate? A need to be inferior? Am I prescribing a need to be superior? Am I prescribing anxiety, worry, depression, resentment, guilt? And a lot of these ego-based consciousness that we're prescribing are also a duplicative manifestation process in the fact that what we pay attention to and give our intention, think, say, do, and believe, based off, think, say, do, believe, and feel, based off of this bag of beliefs, will create intention, attention plus intention equals coincidence. So now when we worry, not only are we interfering with our potential or our abundance, but we're wishing for what we don't want. And so we're speeding up a process. We're aggregating what we don't want in our life and creating this residual temperature gauge of I'm only right here. If I get too high, I'm going to go right here. If I get too low, I'll be back here. And it all stems from understanding one what am I afraid of and identifying that? And then according to my beliefs of the past, what am I prescribing to it? Once we do that, we then can realign our past with where we want to be in the future. So for example, I had to shift my energy about making money, about worthiness. I made too much money. I made too much money too early. And like many athletes, you make too much money early, but you still have your prescription right there, what are you going to do? You're going to self-sabotage yourself. You're going to say, I'm not worthy. And all of these things are going to happen all because of beliefs that you can change. And so I took my bankruptcy, which is the ultimate indicator for me. It was my greatest fear. When, when I was poor, my greatest fear is I would be bankrupt like my grandfather and my father. When I made millions of dollars, my greatest fear was I'd be bankrupt like my father and my grandfather. And when I went bankrupt, right? I had to say, okay, I've been punished just like everyone else. Why me? I went to law school, business school, went to college. I did very well. I did everything my mommy told me to do. And how did I end up right here? I had over a hundred million dollars. How did I end up with zero? My bag of beliefs. I was so worried about it. So looking at not what I wanted, but what I didn't want, what I was worried about, what was missing, that I ended up with what I didn't want or what I was missing, or even worse, what other people thought. 
They were just waiting for me to screw this up, especially my family members, because they're carrying the same genetic inheritance I have, the same energetic inheritance. And so their fear was projected onto me that, oh, my God, you know, he's taking all these risks. He's way richer than me. He's going to fail and it's all going to go away. But you know what I did? I said to myself, no longer, no more. I'm changing my beliefs. I am protected and promoted. And this is it. I am now taking my bankruptcy instead of as a punishment. Some people are like the worst thing. You couldn't even imagine what I had to go through. Not only did I have to tell my mom and family members, friends and everyone that I lost everything and my wife, but I had to walk to my mom's house. Only reason I wanted to be rich, buy my mom a house and a car because she was such an amazing mom. I went to her house to tell her not only I was bankrupt, but I didn't take my name off of her title and I lost her house and she had to move. But I knew that I was protected and promoted. I knew that if I could find the light, the love, and the lessons through four values in my past to align with the future that I now have invested over $100 million so that I can make more money, help more people, and have more fun in a world of more than enough. And so I completely changed my beliefs about myself at the lowest time of my life to say, I now have found the light, the love, and the lessons in what I was most afraid of in the trajectory of where I think I want to be or better, which is to empower over a billion people to learn how to make more money, help more people, and have more fun, to live in abundance, to live in the world of more than enough, teaching them the bag of beliefs that they are utilizing to limit themselves. And so I want you to think about your own fears. They're personal to you. But if you can't align the fears of the past with where you want to be in the future, you're not going to get to where you want to be in the future or better. I live in a world of abundance. I know that there's more than even what I could dream. So when people say, dude, you are crazy. You think you're going to power over a billion people in your lifetime? I'm like, no, I think I'm going to empower more than a billion people. Right? It's more than enough. I... That's, that's just a trajectory of where I think I want to be or better. It's not an outcome that's going to dictate my happiness or my success. And yes, I now know that if I do say, think, and feel in alignment where I think I want to be, that I can change my beliefs by identifying the fear, seeing what ego-based consciousness I prescribe to that fear, and then roll in the right trajectory. How do we roll? Daily activities. I was talking... You know, ourselves, I consider ourselves. Each cell is, is yourself. And it has an upper consciousness. And then your own consciousness has another upper consciousness. So you have selves who make up yourself, which then makes up the greater self. All within a continuum. And that's why it's so important that we are thinking, saying, doing, and feeling our beliefs in alignment where we think we want to be. So if we want to then apply not only the bag of beliefs to our past, but daily to what we do, the bag of beliefs based off of gratitude that finds the light, the love, and the lessons in your bankruptcies, whatever they may be for you, that finds forgiveness in that to give us these, right? The, the gratitude will give you a perspective, the belief that you want, but it's forgiveness that's going to give you ease. Remember, in this philosophy of bag of beliefs, we're identifying dis-ease. That's all we're doing. So if we believe there's this omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, and we are the source of faith, even though we can't prove it, then we can think about things in terms of what? Yes, 
It's everything is there. What am I doing to interfere with it is disease, physical disease, mental disease, nutrition disease, whatever it is. We want to be able to identify the fear, which is the disease, and put us into a state of ease into the omniscient all-powerful. You have more power in your pinky than to light up all of Manhattan. What are you doing to interfere with it? It's just disease. And you can look at yourselves and yourself and the selves, the upper consciousness, to see where your dis-ease is. And it's varying. So how do we heal disease? Forgiveness. That's it. Forgiveness heals all. And so when we can identify the fear and forgive ourselves for being human, for making mistakes, failures, setbacks, successes, historical references, defining moments, and we forgive that, we now are putting ourselves at ease to then live in accountability, which gives us control. There's three phases of accountability, all with the purpose of only one thing, which is what life's about. Life is about lessons. The lessons keep on coming until we learn them. The more we learn, the more we expand. The more we expand, the greater we exponentially create outcomes in the trajectory where we want to be or better. And so control comes from one, when we are grateful and forgiving in a circumstance that may have created disease, we then ask ourselves, how am I responsible for this disease? It could be cancer, an obvious disease, but it also could be just scarcity, or it could be, you know, some relationship that's in disease, or some belief that you have that puts you at disease. At any level, you just say to yourself, I'm responsible for this. I'm in control. What do I need to do to learn from it? When we get to that phase, we can go to the next one that says, which is more energetic, what did I do to it? Now that I know I'm accountable and I'm in control of this situation, what did I do to, to attract this disease? Oh, maybe I'm eating French fries every day. I've now created an attract, not only responsibility, but I'm attracting disease. I smoke every day, attracting disease. I have negative thoughts every day, attracting disease which then leads us to the bag of beliefs and accountability, which is what? What am I doing to participate in the perception and what am I supposed to learn from it? Right now we're at a higher level of accountability. What am I doing to participate in this perception? What beliefs am I instituting that's creating interference between me and where I wanna be or better? And when we do that, the fourth value of effective communication allows us to live in spirit with less disease, in spirit with less disease, to have that closer connection to what? My source of faith based on the best option of more than enough of everything and omniscient, all powerful source that loves me, protects and promotes me more than my mom would. Those four values then will allow us to align the past with where we wanna be and then take action today. So the past is infinite, right? Close your eyes. We can all go back 100 million years. It's infinite. We can go back 200 million. We can go back 500 million. But today, it's determined by one thing. A particle of light leaving the sun and hitting the earth, which creates 24 hours of man-made constructive time. And this is where the ferocious Buddha, uh, for me, came about. Is The biggest and most difficult change in my life was understanding how can I allow things or surrender but still be the tiger that I am, the ferocious kid that, you know, did his best every day, learned lessons and had fun, never quit no matter what. How can that reconcile with surrender, 
right? I see these dudes sitting at home, high on their mom's couch, broken, sick, dreaming about their Ferrari. I bought a Ferrari because I worked for it. I, I did everything I could to make it. But the reconciliation of surrender comes from understanding that be ferocious today in alignment of the infinite future in a trajectory where you think you want to be better by aligning your beliefs with what you've learned from the past to that trajectory and then do say think believe and feel each day do say think and feel which is the five levels of intention towards that tra trajectory today so having daily practices in a trajectory where we think we want to be or better by aligning our beliefs of the past to that trajectory. So one, what do we do? We wake up and we say, what do I want today in that trajectory? Personally, experientially, giving and receiving wise. Just today. I'm not overwhelmed because I'm going to bust according to what's going on outside of me. Family in town, COVID, the interest rates rising. Whatever pragmatic things are going on today, I'm going to take into account the reality of today and say, what do I want today considering my family's in town? My personal values change. My experiential values change. My giving values change. My receiving values change. Not forever. I'm just maximizing the pragmatic actual day with the trajectory of the infinite of where I want to be or better. So if we don't think about what we do today, personal experiential giving and receiving in that trajectory and align our beliefs of the past, then we're just living our lives like tubes. We're nothing. Food in, food out. That's your day. Most people on earth live their life like a tube. Food in, food out. Because they never think about taking nothingness and making a possibility each day, which aggregates, compounds exponentially in outcomes and accelerates, which gives us gratification as human beings because it happens faster and we get awareness of our good behavior. What stops people from doing good behaviors? Not being able to see the progress. What allows people to continue bad behavior? Not seeing the progress. That's why people will smoke cigarettes for 19 years and tell you, no, no, no effect. And then year 20, they get cancer. That didn't happen in one year. That was an aggregate effect of behaviors where they didn't see the outcomes. So I want you to think about today making everything a possibility by knowing what you want according to the reality of your bank account, of your relationships, of your food, whatever your reality is, you're maximizing your potential when you put it into the context of where you want to be or better and align your beliefs to the past. Then you can make your possibility a probability by uniting the value-add world of confirming you're in a system that's unified and abundant and infinite with others. So you ask yourself, if this is what I want according to what's available today in a trajectory where I think I want to be or better, aligning my beliefs, then who can I help today and who can help me? The minute you know who can help you and who you can help, your possibility becomes a probability, a mathematical advantage every single day that will aggregate, compound exponentially, and accelerate in your life. And that's when people are like, oh, you're an overnight success. No, I'm an aggregator of good behavior, knowing what I want and who I can help and who can help me, affirming and confirming I live in abundance, that there's more than enough. I live in a value-add world where I'm giving and receiving and witnessing giving and receiving, confirming it's one. And if I have the what and the who, the third daily practice is to know my how. And this is where most people fall down because they don't realize that time is the dependent variable of all matter. 
in the daily practices, in your day, time is the only dependent variable. So if you want to get better at something, you need to align it with time. Oh, I'm tired of feeling guilty. Well, then time how long you feel guilty in a day and feel guilty less amount of time tomorrow. You'll start making progress in the right direction. It will dissipate and disappear eventually. So what do we use to know our how is we have to be a student of time. We have to study the beliefs that we have. We have to study what we're doing, saying, thinking, believing, and feeling in a trajectory every day by looking at things, activity we get planned, activity we don't have planned, and our sleep, activity we get paid for, and activity we don't get paid for. And utilize time to maximize three things that allow us to get to where we want to be or better. What are those three things? The people who get to where they want to be or better are productive. They add value in every situation. They're accessible. They help other people and they get help. They're accessing what they want and they're accessible to others to help them with what they want. And they're gracious. They have the capability inherent in the system that I've created to find the light, the love, and the lessons in every activity, situation, person, mindset, philosophy. They're looking not for what they don't have, not for what other people want for them, not for what's missing. They're looking for the light, the love, and the lessons in it. That's what gratitude is. If you know your how, not only do you take nothingness to a possibility with what, a probability with who, but it now becomes your perspective. And remember, one of the rules of accountability is, what am I doing right, to participate in this perception? But when I say doing, what does it really mean? Karma means action. It really means, what am I doing, saying, thinking, believing, and feeling in the trajectory today of where I think I want to be or better, making sure it's all aligned with my past, the lessons of the past? How do we take our perspective, though, and make it our reality? My favorite word. It's one that I've come up with and studied, especially in the last 24 months. Prioritize. Doing it now. Prioritization is a confirmation of reality. If you are capable of finding out and taking action with what is important to you today in that trajectory, then you will have a reality. What you do now gets done. It's a reality. You need to know your now and know your next. Prioritization is the antidote to what truly creates the most interference in our world, which is procrastination and feeling overwhelmed. Both perceptions, by the way, that can be alleviated immediately with a prioritization mechanism of knowing what's important to you. But it doesn't work. E even if you prioritize, if you weren't a student in the calendar, you didn't know who you were helping and who can help you and what you wanted, you won't be able to prioritize. So what we do is we say to ourselves, okay, teaching here at the men's, the, the grounded men's event is a priority. Now, what happens when my wife says, oh my gosh, I lost the ticket to the train. I can't get up. Now, I already know the activity I planned. I also know the period of time I don't have planned. So I can quickly prioritize and reprioritize and be productive, accessible, and gracious with my time all day long until I wake up the next morning and start being the same way. My sleep is an activity of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude. That's why my unwinding routine is probably more important than my morning routine because I put my mind, my body, and soul in a position to not only recover, 
which gives me the ability to utilize the omniscient, all-powerful energy that I'm given, but to also access the information for my next day. So if I have a source of faith that there's an all-knowing and all-powerful, I don't want to just take advantage of the all-powerful by recovering. I want to take advantage of the omniscient, knowing that when I sleep, my ego-based consciousness that I'm prescribing to fear all day long, if I'm in the correct position going to bed, will allow me to take in the omniscient information that I can utilize the next day. See, it's like cheat codes. I tell people all the time, one of the best surprising pieces of advice that I ever got was from Bob Parsons, the founder of GoDaddy, because he surprised me. He's like 70-something, super entrepreneur, old guy, and he looks at me and he says, you know, Dave, if you love what you do, and I'm rolling my eyes at him, like, please, dude, do not say you'll never work a day in your life. And he did. He said, if you love what you do, it'll tell you all its secrets. Secrets, you mean like cheat codes to level up? Secrets to make the game easier on me? The secrets that give me an advantage, a margin that other people can't do because they're struggling and I got the teacher's guide? Did you ever take calculus? You know how easy calculus would be or OCHEM would be if you had the teacher's guide? That comes from this knowing you're now, this consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. And what I realized is, is that if you find the light, the love, and the lessons in what you do, say, think, believe, and feel, it will tell you all its secrets. If you do it consistently, it'll tell you more of the secrets. If you do it consistently long enough, it'll tell you all its secrets. And you're going to end up like a Warren Buffett or Elon Musk or these other people that I can't even understand how they're so productive, accessible, and gracious, how they can see things that I'm not aware of. And that leads to the fifth daily practice. Know your what. You take nothing and make it a possibility. Know your who, it makes it a probability. Know your how, it makes it your perspective. Know your now, it makes it your reality. But if you learn to apply your why instead of searching for what you've already have, if you learn to get out of your own way to identify the fear and the beliefs that you're prescribing to that fear in order to effectuate a promotion and protection and acceleration towards what you think you want or better, by aligning the beliefs of what you've learned with that, instead of searching for what you already have, passion, purpose, profitability, you'll realize I am. I am passionate. I am purposeful. I am profitable. What am I doing to interfere with it? You will start applying your why. You got to have faith. You got to have a source of faith that's the best option for you. Can you define it under the context of religion? Absolutely. Philosophy? Absolutely. Spirituality? Absolutely. Religion? Whatever. I don't care. As long as you come up and if you get something better than me, then this best option that I've come up with, the most religions also have come up with over thousands and thousands of years, that there's something bigger than me that knows everything and is all powerful and loves me more than my mom. I've read almost every religious text from the Bhagavad Gita spiritual text to the, the, the Course in Miracles to the Old Testament, New Testament, every, the Quran. I've read everything. And when I finish it, I'm like, oh, so basically you think there's something bigger than you that loves you more than your mom. Okay, that sounds like a good option. And none of you, the 
billions of people that have read this stuff and believe in it. None of you can prove it. And you keep saying, but you should have faith in it. So yeah, have faith in it because there's nothing better to have faith than to in order to effectuate your bag of beliefs in a trajectory of where you think you want to be or better. I want everyone to start identifying the fear and the bag of beliefs that you're prescribing to it and to make sure that you are changing your beliefs to align with where you think you want to be or better and stop feeding into avoid shortage, obstacle, mistake, what's missing or worse, what other people want for you. One of the biggest tragedies I see today of social media is it is a temptation to think that I want what other people want for me or for themselves. You are your own essence. You are your own bag of beliefs, which contain different skills, different knowledge, and different desires than anyone else. Just like your fingerprint, it's yours. Amplify it to as many people. It will resonate with 10% of the people automatically all the time. It will push away 10% of the people, which also will protect you. And it will then allow you to aggregate each time other people are exposed to it 10% at a time. I'm going to finish with a quick story of how with my book, which, you know, by the way, I will happily send to everyone. Just email me, david at dmelzer.com. I'll sign a book, send it to you, pay for shipping and the book. When I wrote my book, I had a lot of fear. It was the first time I ever illuminated the truth. I was vulnerable of what an idiot I was and all the mistakes that I made. And I got my first review from Goodreads, which is a big review plays, right? And this lady just shit on me. She's like, this is the dumbest book. This guy thinks that if you talk to water, that you can clear it or you can make it dirty. So if you say, I hate you, I hate, I think this is how I explained it in the book. And it wasn't from me. I learned it from like the movie Blink and I forget what other book I referenced. I didn't take credit for it, but I said, I totally believe this, that if you have dirty water and you're like, I love you, it'll be clear. And if you have clear water and say, I hate you, it'll turn dirty. So this lady says, this book is stupid. This guy is stupid. He thinks you can talk to water and change the cellular structure of water with his voice. I was terrified. I said, oh my gosh, like every first time book writer, I spent way too much money from the people who manipulated, lied and cheated me on how famous I would be from my book. And they charged me way too much money to distribute, publish, print, all the things that I've learned over the years, writing eight books that I try to inform people, if you're writing a book, give me a call, let me tell you those secrets and cheat codes because I've learned them. And don't let your ego get in the way. They prey on your ego when you're writing a book. But what happened with my book was super cool and it was a life lesson about everything else because at that time in my life, not only was it was the first time I was vulnerable and honest, not only with myself but others, but I was still a pleaser. I wanted everyone to love my book. I wanted everyone to love me. So I'm a chameleon, right? You go to a party, it's like, you're a Republican. Oh, I love this part about being a Republican. You're a Democrat. Oh, I loved it. Right? I was a chameleon. People were totally confused when they, they behind my back were having a conversation. They're like, I love that Dave Meltzer. He's red, white, and blue. You, know, you mean that liberal dude? Right? Like nobody knew what I was. But what happened with my book? She posted that, and everyone that believed what she said didn't buy my book. Everyone that said, wow, that is really dumb talking to water. I'm not gonna buy that guy's book, which was terrific because she protected me 
from all those people that would have bought my book, read it, and then shared with everyone else what an idiot I was and told them not to buy my book. But then what did she do as well? All these people read that that did believe me. And then instead of being maybe melancholy about my book, they now defended my book because they took a personal offense because they believe what I believed. And so they went out and bought the book because now they were truly interested in like, I don't know who this guy is, but he believes what I believe. I want to see if he's still right. And the book just took off a duplicative positive by what seemed to be the worst thing that could happen in a book is to get a really shitty review by a really big reviewer. Your very first time out ended up being the catalyst to a bestseller, a book that, we have literally sold and given hundreds of thousands of copies away to, to people that believe and want to learn more about having that type of mindset. 10% of people will love you for who you are, then be who you are. Be part and parcel of the system, a unified, abundant, infinite system of thought. Stop interfering with your potentials. Omniscient, your potential is all knowing. Let's pursue it. And enjoy that pursuit by aligning the meaning of the past with the trajectory of the future and practicing daily in that same trajectory. What you do today, what you say today, what you think today, and what you feel today. And if you do that, it'll aggregate, become easier, the cheat codes, give you those exponential results from those cheat codes, and accelerate, which will satiate the human condition that we like to see in steward results which will continue to inspire you more to keep on doing, saying, thinking, feeling, and believing in the trajectory where you want to be or better. That's what I want for all of you. I want us all to think about ourselves and ourselves as a bag of beliefs and how are you using that bag. The best thing about our bag of beliefs is you have the power to change them. Only you. You're the only one that can change your beliefs and think how powerful that is. All right. I want to say thank you. We got about 20 minutes for q and I'm here at the... Grounded Men's Retreat with Saul, Saul Beltran and all the rest of the crew. We're going to have, by the way, the VIP dinner with Evan and Saul, Dr. Kim Boos here, uh, Chicharito, the world-famous premier soccer player. If you're a soccer guy, you know who that is, Man U, Real Madrid. I think he has the scoring record for a Mexican professional soccer player in the world, which is much better than being the American high scorer, trust me. Uh, it's pretty crazy. He's like the president of Mexico when he goes down there. Uh, doc, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, for those that aren't sports fans, you might be a world thought leader fan. He'll be there at dinner with us as well. So combined, uh, it's going to be an incredible day and night here at the Grounded Men Retreat. All right. Who has a question for me in person? Uh, anyone? Yeah. So I'm curious how you can use the fear in your favor to really accelerate I love that. And also to, to see the light, the love, and the love. Yeah, how can we use fear to help us? I separate fear into two utilizations. And the first utilization that we've explained already is it interferes with our potential. But there is a usage or a utilization of fear as we work within the pragmatic world. And you know what fear does? It gets us up. It gets us started. It gets us back up. It gets us back started. If you watch any football player worth their, their weight in gold or any boxer or UFC fighter, it's not inspiration that gets them off the mat. 
It's straight out fear. It's straight out fear. Now, can you transcend your fear when you utilize it correctly, like fuel in a rocket ship? Can you utilize it when you get outside of the atmosphere then to get out of its way so you can continue? Or are you then going to run out of gas by utilizing it in the wrong trajectory, knowing that it doesn't inspire us? It motivates us. There's a difference. Motivation is what gets us up, gets us started, pushes us up. You know, it's rocket fuel. Inspiration gets us there. That's where this ferocious Buddha, the reconciliation of surrender and allowing, this is inspiration in spirit. So once we get off the ground, now we start identifying the fear that's in our way because we already have the inertia and the potential of that journey, right? We have the trajectory. Now we're clearing the way because we already have the power behind us. You'll run out of energy if you keep on using fear in that manner. And so in the construct of people getting in their own way, as well as conflictually thinking, I don't get detachment of outcomes. How can you be motivated or how can you have goals if you detach from an outcome? Well, because I'm trying to aggregate, accelerate, create exponentiality of outcomes, do my best, learn lessons and have fun every day in a trajectory of an outcome that I'm not attached to. Remember, my outcomes are always, this is what I think I want or better today. That's what I'm busting my balls for, what I think I want in the future, but I'm learning all day long to adjust what I think I want according to what's going on in my real world. Not some woo-woo thing that's not gonna help me, but it, you know, is it raining outside? My personal values, experiential values, giving and receiving values change when it's raining outside. I start wait, weighting my values differently. Today, I'm going to spend more time with my family because it's raining outside. Still in the trajectory of where I think I want to be or better. I'm on an airplane. Today, I'm going to change my experiential values. I'm not going to do as many interviews. I'm going to do research. So I do my interviews better, which will get me to my mission of empowering over a billion people to be happy or more than I think I want to be to teach them how to make money, help people have fun and live in abundance. Great question. All right, who's next? Anyone? Yes, sir. I was gonna ask, like, Bruce Lipton talks a lot about sleep programming, hypnosis, changing your perception, all that stuff. I was gonna ask the dispenser tonight too, I'll ask you as well. Is there any, like, Hertz level, if you're doing affirmations or anything like that, and then you speak in your own voice, right? And then you record it over, uh, you know, 432 hertz or 512 or 7 to 8 in that data framework state. Is there any research on like which brainwave states are like the best for subconscious programming your subconscious mind? From what I've studied, ask what's the best brainwave to help with our subconscious thought, which is, in my opinion, a storage unit for 40,000 of the same thoughts. We receive 10,000 new inputs a day into our cells or selves utilizing those consistently changes the 40,000 of the same thoughts that create the ski slope effect of if you keep going down in the same direction, it gets easier and easier and you don't even have to think about it. You can go down the whole track. So what I've learned is theta, which is the type of meditation that I utilize, allows us to access the omniscient, the theta brainwave. Uh, I would ask Dr. Joe, who is 6.1 something, yeah. Um, and I studied data meditation uh, in, 
I think what's more important is frequency itself. I say my frequency is my neighborhood and it's a huge epiphany for me. It's amazing tonight at the dinner and we've done tons of these with the world's like unbelievable people have been at these things, right? You know, in every one of their professions, but they're all at my frequency. My frequency is my neighborhood and I'm very aware if someone's not at my frequency. It's not a judgment or a separation. It's just, I know what's going to resonate if you're at my frequency. Frequency is an awareness. And so if you have an elevated frequency, you can be aware of more. And that's the basis of theta meditation. You're increasing the vibration or frequency of your cellular structure and your mind thought waves in order to effectuate a greater awareness. So why? Things are simple. You're just aware. It's like, oh, I should do that. I shouldn't do that. You just know things. And you also are aware of those people that have interfering frequencies that may bleed you. At its contract with people, which is to me the most important frequency that you want to watch, I've created a spectrum kind of bleeding and feeding. But I've also now recently adhered to a matrix of relativity in the construct of bleeding and feeding. Because it would seem counterintuitive, and I'll give you an example. I hate doing this one on camera, but it's true. My mom bleeds. I love her to death. If I asked her right now in front of all of you, mom, it would save my life to jump off this right here. She would not, she would, she'd say, this would save your life. And I'd say, yes, she would do it. But in the real world, she bleeds me. But on the relativity spectrum, she has so much of, you know, love for me and all that's, the relativity of her to me, Allow, she can bleed me every day, all day long. Now, do I try to limit the amount she bleeds me to make up things like I got to go mom or, you know, <laughs> I tell her every day I love her. I'm happy, healthy, love her and appreciate her to diminish the amount that she bleeds me. Because a lot of times she's just bleeding me to find out the four things that all parents want to know about their children, no matter what age. She wants to know I'm happy, healthy, I love and appreciate her. So I can reduce the amount of bleeding. It's like a Band-Aid every day to tell her. I only learned that by being a parent and how much I want my four kids to call me every day and tell me, dad, I'm happy. I'm healthy. I love you and appreciate you. Okay. You don't have to come home. <laughs> you don't have to call me. Right. That's how it is. But I think people lose the relativity uh, component of the chain of feeding. They just immediately say that person's toxic. They bleed me without taking it into consideration of the relativity. And so when you do that, you'll start realizing that you've given so much power away to people that have no relativity to you. It's a huge construct of frequency and awareness. You know, my wife said one time, because I had such a trajectory of wanting to make money, and in that, I'd always tell her how much family meant to me. And she said, you know, it's weird. She said, if family means so much to you, why is it that you spend so much time with people that you don't know or you barely know compared to the people that you say mean so much to you? That's a good question. Because I didn't put relativity into the chain of feeding because my family feeds me more than anything feeds me. But yet I forgot the relativity of my family because I thought that these people could make money, which then would feed my family. It's completely backwards. So your frequency is your neighborhood. Keep reminding yourself that, especially if something doesn't resonate with you or it does. I, one more thing about uh, intuition or things that resonate with us, because there's a combination of 
intelligence, intuition, and inspiration. And those are three different things that are to me, how I make decisions. My intelligence weeds in, my intuition weeds in, and, and then my inspiration. And what I find with intuition is people somehow get confused between intelligence and intuition that they think that when they something comes to an intuitive thought comes to them, that it somehow is in a man-made construct and it's not. All intuition is, is an awareness that something uh, without time, linear time, you should pay attention to. Intuition is an indicator to raise your awareness. So if you're playing craps and you get an intuitive thought, it's going to be a hard eight. There will be a hard eight, but intuition knows nothing about linear time. It doesn't mean on the next roll, it's going to be a hard eight. That's why when you walk by a craps table and someone says, I knew it, they didn't know it. They had that thought and they may have bet it six or seven times until it hit. Will you increase your statistical success if you keep betting it? Yeah, because your awareness says it's coming and most likely it is coming within a certain amount of time, but it could be lifetimes. So I tell people all the time, when you get an intuitive thought, know that it's raised your awareness to something that's going to be important. Same thing with when you're listening to someone speak. Don't write down everything. You'll end up like me with paying $2,000 a month for storage units of undergrad, law school, business school, Tony Robbins, every note from Jack Canfield that I can't access. Just capture what resonates with you, create a system to access what resonates with you when you realize in man-made construct linear time, oh shit, where's that quote? Where's that lesson? Because now it's applicable because I'm you know, thinking about buying a house based off of cash flow. And I knew that I was with Ryan Surhan at that dinner and he said something about, Dave, if you're not ready to hold, you're not ready to buy. You're not ready to hold, you're not ready to buy. Oh yeah, that's what he said, right? So I searched Ryan Surahan because I captured that thing that resonated with me. It raised my awareness. It, it hit me at my core and it made sense to my intelligence as well. And now it will inspire me, put me into inspiration because I'm listening to what I was aware of. These are very finite, subtle ways of mindset, heart set, and handset that will allow you to accelerate in a trajectory where you want to be to understand intelligence, intuition, and inspiration to help you, not interfere with you. All right, we still got a little bit of time. Another question? So, well, I'm curious, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs just go through so many things, and I believe there's all the things you So, in your experience, what do you think is the most common beliefs that entrepreneurs have? Yeah, what's the most common limiting belief that entrepreneurs go through? I would say worthiness. I, I think that part of the inspiration to be an entrepreneur is to prove that you're worthy. And then that actually is the biggest problem because if you knew you were worthy, most likely you wouldn't be an entrepreneur. Think about why, right? Like I, I did it on a thread, which, you know, you never know if a thread's gonna get traction, whether it, but it was amazing to me. I took the percentage of gambling of winning like this is the percentage of winning at craps, at roulette, at poker, right? And then I put chance of winning at entrepreneurship, 0.001% at best. Way worse than any, like mathematically, you could play craps all day and have a better chance of winning than being an entrepreneur. But most entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs because they don't feel worthy 
and they want to prove that they're worthy. The irony between it is most of the entrepreneurs that end up succeeding and beating the odds are because they get through that worthiness and then they succeed. And it's, it's also conflictual because the most common denominator of entrepreneurs and successful people is a desire that they must be what they can be, but it's very dangerous when you have a desire that you must be what you can be combined with not feeling worthy. It's like a big struggle. Imagine if you feel worthy and you have the desire that you must be what you can be, what you can do. Because remember, you're a bag of beliefs. And so that all circumstances, events, people's lessons that come about, if it's in a belief that I'm worthy of it, then you're protected and promoted by all pain, struggles, setbacks, failures, void shortages, and obstacles. When you don't feel worthy, you're punished. You've lost the source of your faith. How could you not be worthy if you're part of an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that loves you more than your mom? That's all I got to say. So why don't you focus in on your worthiness by looking at your source of faith before you even deal with anything else? Because once you have that down, at least for a majority of the day, because yes, eight times a day on average, I get kicked in the face and it takes me a certain amount of time to get my faith back. Whether it be someone cutting me off or somebody hurting my feelings because they said something that is related to something in my past. Look, let me give you a real example because I think it's really important not only to be humble about this. One of the things I can't get rid of in my past is that, and I talked to Evan about my food, but this one thing still, I, I, I every day when I someone says something about you know, my honesty or, or being a hustler or, you know, you know, not being truthful because inherently genetically and, and energetically, I was an overseller, back end seller, sometimes a liar, manipulator and cheater. But when I was seven years old, this is the one I can't get rid of. I'm still trying to shift my energy, super poor, single mom, works two jobs, does everything for us. All my, like everything you could imagine. I couldn't even imagine having the work ethic for somebody else that my mom had for her children. I still can't even imagine it. One day I decided that I needed money more than she did. And I went into her wallet and I stole $17. I was seven years old and I'm trying to heal this. I'm trying to forgive myself because I've had four seven year olds in my life of my own. And I know what it's like to be seven, but I stole the money and within two hours ended up at the grocery store with my mom who took us there to get us a treat as well as buy dinner. And when she went into her wallet to pay for our dinner and for a treat for her six children, <laughs> it wasn't money or enough. I'm 55 years old. I shouldn't know that seven-year-olds steal shit, do stuff. But I can't shift that yet. So that when someone says to me, you know, oh, you know, you exaggerated that or you're, you're hustling me or right? even though I know, like I have had only good intentions. I'm like, it's a problem. I get kicked in the face. I have to stop and realize that I, I am worthy, that I was seven and I've learned from it. But these are the little things, the beliefs of the past that will stop you or hinder you or limit you of your future unless you do the work, aggregate it, capitalize it. 
All right, I got time for one more question. Anyone, this is a great group of guys. I want to thank all of you online. I want to thank this group here at the Grounded Men. Yes, sir. Power of forgiveness. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So um, the power of forgiveness is the question. Uh, I believe that forgiveness heals everything. Because in order to forgive yourself, you truly have to have faith. You, you, you just have to have faith that I'm just interfering with my potential and I forgive myself for interfering with my potential and other people are just interfering with their potential and it's having some sort of negative impact or interference on your potential because they're interfering with their potential. And the faster I can say to myself, okay, here's a situation or a person or an event that is causing me pain, struggle, setbacks, judgments, conditions, attacks, separation, whatever it may be, and then say, where's the light, the love, and the lessons in it, and then forgive. It heals it. It heals it almost instantaneously if you can get to forgiveness. I still challenge myself, and I look at like these amazing people. There's a baseball player at South Carolina who stayed close to play baseball. He got recruited first round, stayed in South Carolina. His mom was a reverend, and she was doing her her study study group in a, in a skinhead came in when he was coming home for practice uh, to her and killed the whole church group. And it was during the Baltimore riots and President Obama was terrified that, you know, this was going to erupt into, you know, hatred and, and more violence and all that. And this kid at 19 years old came out and said, it would do me and my family no good unless I forgave him. I want to find out what had happened to this poor man that he's that angry, that he would do this to me, but I forgive him. Because of that forgiveness, they had the Confederate flag hanging in City Hall in South Carolina. Without riots, without fighting, they took down the flag. Forgiveness heals all, and it's a practice. A daily practice. Identify the fear, see what ego-based consciousness you're prescribing for, and then heal it with forgiveness. After you found the light, the love, and the lessons, take accountability for it and live an inspired life. When you identify pain, your mind, body, and soul are on fire. What do we do on fire? Stop, breathe, drop to center to our higher self, and then roll into the daily practices. What do I want today? Who can I help? Who can help me? How to get it done? Prioritize accordingly and apply your why. I promise you'll live in a world of more than enough of everything for everyone. Your life will change. I guarantee it. Change your beliefs, change your life. You want more than enough? Have beliefs of more than enough. I want to thank everyone. It is noon straight up here at the Grounded Men's event. Come and join us. We're in Santa Barbara. We're going to do another one in October. I want to thank Saul especially for hosting our Thursday, Friday training and uh, appreciate everyone. Email me if you'd like the guide to this uh, training today, the Bag of Beliefs guide or my book. I'll sign it, send it to you, pay for shipping and the book, david at dmelter.com. Join us here in Santa Barbara, St. Louis on Sunday. We're every week somewhere doing free meetups and VIP dinners. Thank you, everyone. Most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you later. Thank you.